Today I will believe and confess that Jesus Christ was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him. And by Jesus' stripes, I am healed. All right, so today, we're, before we pray, we'll go ahead and do our scriptures and then we'll pray. Let's go to the book of Numbers. We got, I got a, quite a few scriptures here today, but I read through them, and it took me less than about five minutes to do them all, so it won't be that long. It'll seem kind of long, but it won't be. Uh, Numbers chapter 14, so we're going to start in the Old Testament there, Numbers chapter 14, and we're going to read verse 20 through 24, and we'll read those verses first. Numbers chapter 14, verse 20 through 24. All right, so it says, And the Lord said, I have pardoned according to thy word, but as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Because all those men which have seen my glory and my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and have tempted me now these ten times, have not hearkened to my voice. Surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoked me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, and have followed me fully, him will I bring into the land whereinto he went, and his seed shall possess it. All right, now we're going to go to 1 Kings. Just flip over a few books. And 1 Kings chapter 18. And we're going to read, begin reading at verse 21. 1 Kings chapter 18, we'll begin at verse 21. And Elisha came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. Then said Elisha unto the people, I, even I only, remain a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let them therefore give us two bullocks, and let them choose one bullock for themselves, and cut it in pieces, and lay it on wood, and put no fire under. And I will dress the other bullock, and lay it on wood, and put no fire under. And call ye on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God that answers by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, It is well spoken. And Elisha said unto the prophets of Baal, Choose you one bullock for yourselves, and dress it first. For you are many, and call on the name of your gods, but put no fire under. And they took the bullock which was given them, and they dressed it, and called on the name of Baal from morning even until noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. But there was no voice, nor any that answered, and they leaped upon the altar which was made. And it came to pass at noon that Elisha mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he is talking, or he is pursuing, or he is in a journey, or peradventure he sleep and must be awakened. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their manner with knives and lancets, till the blood gushed out upon them. And it came to pass, when midday was past, and they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, that there was neither voice, nor any to answer, nor any that regarded. All right, now, if you will, go with me to the book of Mark, over in the New Testament, Mark, and we're going to go to chapter 6, Mark chapter 6, and there we're going to read verse 12 through 29, Mark chapter 6, verse 12 through 29. All right, here we go. And they went out and preached that men should repent. And they cast out many devils and anointed with oil many that were sick and healed them. And King Herod heard of him, for his name was spread abroad. And he said that John the Baptist was risen from the dead, and therefore mighty works do show forth themselves in him. Others said that it is Elias, and others said that it is a prophet, or that as one of the prophets. But when Herod heard thereof, he said, It is John, whom I beheaded. He is risen from the dead. For Herod himself had set forth and laid hold upon John and bound him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her. For John had said unto Herod, It is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Therefore Herodias had a quarrel against him and would have killed him, but she could not. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just man and holy, and observed him. And when he heard him, he did many things and heard him gladly. And when a convenient day was come that Herod on his birthday made a supper to his lords, high captains and chief estates of Galilee, 
And when the daughter of the said Herodias came in and danced and pleased Herod and them that sat with him, the king said unto the damsel, Ask of me whatsoever thou wilt, and I will give it thee. And he sware unto her, Whatsoever thou shalt ask of me, I will give it thee unto the half of my kingdom. And she went forth and said unto her mother, What shall I ask? And she said, The head of John the Baptist. And she came in straightway with haste unto the king and asked, saying, I will that thou give me by and by in a charger the head of John the Baptist. And the king was exceeding sorry, yet for his oath's sake and for their sakes which sat with him, he would not reject her. And immediately the king sent an executioner and commanded his head to be brought, and he went and beheaded him in the prison, and brought his head in a charger and gave it to the damsel, and the damsel gave it to her mother. And when his disciples heard of it, they came and took up his corpse and laid it in a tomb. All right. Let's go to Matthew now, chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17. We're almost there. Matthew chapter 17. And we're going to read verse 10 through 13. 10 through 13. And his disciples asked him, saying, Why then say the scribes that Elijah must first come? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Elijah truly shall come first and restore all things. But I say unto you that Elisha is already come, and they knew him not, but they have done unto him whatsoever they listed. Likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer of them. Then the disciples understood that he spake unto them of John the Baptist. Last place we're going to go, 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4, I'm going to read verse 14 through 19. 1 Peter chapter 4, and let's go to verse 14 through 19, and that's what we'll read. All right. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, for let him glorify God on this behalf. For the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be to them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we just pray this morning. We thank you for this new year that we're going into. We pray and ask today that as we're assembled here as the body of Christ, that even as the Bible says, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. Father, we pray today that the Holy Spirit would speak through his scriptures and through the message today, that you might be glorified and that we might, Father, follow after you as we should. We ask it even now in Jesus' name, amen. Today, I have a message that I'm entitling... Another year, another spirit. Another year, another spirit. When I get to the end of this, I, my thesis, this is what I'm hoping to get at. God has always had a voice crying in the wilderness that only grows louder as his judgment on his people nears. God has always had a voice crying in the wilderness that only grows louder as his judgment on his people nears. I want to read something I, I want, an author wrote that I was reading the other day before I started this message. He said this, In this present age, God allows painful circumstances in the lives of his own household, not to condemn, but to mature, convict, and bring repentance. Through suffering, we learn patience. This kind of judgment is to encourage us to abandon selfishness and sin and draw nearer to him. The ultimate final judgment for unbelievers will be eternal separation from God, from life, and from all that is good and beautiful. The judgment that begins at the house of God also includes church discipline. Church discipline is not for unbelievers, but for believers. What business, Paul said, is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? Believers are commanded to take responsibility for other followers of Christ who may be slipping or headed towards sin. God commands us to avoid fellowship with anyone claiming to be a brother or a sister in Christ, but who insist on maintaining a sinful lifestyle. 
Jesus lays out the process for church discipline. Someone who has been confronted multiple times and warned that the choices he is making are in opposition to God needs to repent. If he refuses to listen to the church, we are to turn away from him in the hope that this drastic action will bring about repentance. As believers, we are to pursue holiness and encourage each other to pursue it as well. We are to judge ourselves as God's household as we do at the communion table. In this way, judgment will begin in God's house. I want to talk today about the world that we're entering into more and more. People will say, well, you know, there's always been problems in the world. And I tell people, I get it, but you have to understand something. It's kind of like boiling water. The water's always been on the stove. But the longer it stays on the stove with the gas and the burner, the hotter the water gets. Eventually, there comes a moment where the water shifts from it's just there till it's boiling. I mean, it's just like a blink of the eye, and all of a sudden, it's boiling. You know, the water is almost running out of the pot. And this is how I think the world is moving at this moment. Although the water, the pot, has been on the kettle, uh, the kettle has been on the furnace, if you will, or the stove, and it's been going and going and going, and it's getting warmer and warmer and warmer, I think we're closer to that moment where we have hit the boiling point. I say this because as I was listening to a podcast, because I wanted to just go back and confirm his words for myself, doesn't matter who he is, but, you know, I just wanted to verify. I just call him not a cannabis preacher. You know. I wanted to verify for myself what actually he said, you know. But what was more disturbing were the other things that we haven't really heard much about. And so I'm going to address the four things that I heard, deal with them kind of in the way I think we need to understand as believers, because these are the types of things that are now being said. And they're being said from the pulpit from church pulpits. And people say, well, if, if the preacher, if he can say what he want to say, he can. But what I'm telling you is, the Bible is clear. Judgment always begins at the house of God. And it, it, it begins up here and moves out to the congregation. God has always been that way. And he always has a voice crying out that, look, <laughs> we're going down the wrong road. We're going down the wrong road. We're going down the wrong road. When Caleb, as the story I read to you, God told those people, he said, I have shown you so many miracles by now, you ought to know who I am and you ought to be following me wholly. Instead, when they went into the promised land and they saw what God had for them, instead of taking the land by God's power, they cowered to the giants and said, we're not going to do that because they're going to kill us. Look at them. They're bigger than us. Look at them. Fear made them lose their blessing, fear of what was going to happen, fear of men. God then responded and said, okay, no problem. But everybody who went into that land, everyone 20 years and older will be dead before y'all ever see the promised land. Now, that's a heck of a state. He said everybody in the camp, not just the one, the, the, the 12 spies that went in. Only two of them, uh, Caleb and Joshua, would get to see the promised land eventually. But he was saying, he said, everyone in the camp, every single warrior that's 20 years old and above will die before y'all ever go in the promised land. God was made it clear. Y'all ain't never going to see it based on the way you acted. That's what he tells them. And sure enough, he said, but Caleb, because he had another spirit, Caleb will see it. And when you get to the story at the end where Caleb finally gets to go in, Caleb said to Joshua, he said, look, I am 85 years old. I'm as strong today as I was when we went in. Give me my mountain. Caleb was ready to ride in and take the promised land at 85 years old. Caleb said, look, I am as ready to go, as full of strength as I was at 85. And since the guys back then didn't want to go, let me take these youngsters now, because they, were, they had all grown up now. They were ready to go into the promised land. So God said Caleb will go because he has another spirit. That's why I want to talk about another year, another spirit. When you look at what's going on, the next thing I showed you was Elisha. There was so much 
idolatry going on in the land of Israel. That Jezebel, who was the wife of the king at the time, had all of God's prophets in hiding because Jezebel had threatened to kill them all. Elisha comes out and basically declares himself basically to be the only person willing to stand and say what needs to be said on behalf of God. He says, then he tells all these other prophets, so many of y'all, what I want to do is why don't we just put it to the people? How long are you people going to halt between two opinions? If God is God, serve God. If he's not, go serve Baal. You can't have it both ways, he says. You know, just, just make up your mind. He says, but I'll do it like this. Why don't we have a contest? I will build an altar, and you can build an altar. Put your sacrifice on top, and I'll put mine on top. And the God that answers by fire will let him be God. Well, the people love that. Yeah, let's see it. So the prophets of Baal, you saw the story. They built their little altar and went all day till midday, cutting themselves and everything till Elisha started mocking them. Where you God at? Is he on vacation? What did he do? Why? Because now they need fire. They need a change. They need something to happen now. See, it's one thing when, you know, things are just kind of, you know, easy to do and all that. But when you need God, you need God. Yeah, the devil ain't God. He can mimic God, and he can play things, but he ain't God. When you need God, you need God. So when you need fire, you need fire. You need to be able to pray, and God show up. Otherwise, all that other stuff, you know, like we say, you can fake it till you make it. But if you ain't made it, you ain't made it. And people going to know. They going to know. We always say lifting weights is an easy way to do it, you know. Or somebody who's bragging about being able to dunk a basketball. You can do all that until we take you on the coat and put you there next to the goal. Go ahead. There to go. And then they, well, you know, I mean, I'm just saying, I mean, I don't, I don't be showing off my skills like that. Because he know he can't dunk the basketball at that point. And you, now you know you got him, right? And this is how God responds. Then we see, we go into the New Testament and we see John the Baptist. John the Baptist goes out preaching and throughout the land. People thought he was crazy because he spent his time in the desert. He came in wearing, you know, camel's uh, clothes and, and, and eating wild locusts and honey. And they were like, this man's a nut. And then he starts telling everybody to repent because God's on the way. The kingdom of heaven is coming. And all of a sudden, Jesus appears. But the Bible tells us it was time for that spirit of Elisha to be moved aside because Jesus had to minister now. And God allowed it by, because Herod is the king, the one in charge, he knew. I'm not messing with John. John is a man of God. I, I, and, and, and he even liked what was happening. But his wife was mad. Boy, she couldn't stand John. Why? Because John told him, it is not lawful for you to be married to that woman. Ooh. Boy, she was so mad. I bet you she was riding Herod. You need to kill him. And he's like, I'm not doing that. She couldn't make him. He's the king, right? So, you know, she could say anything she wanted to say to him. Here, he wasn't doing it. But what he did was let his sin get him, see? He had a little birthday party. And in the birthday party, he let Herodias' daughter come in and do that, you know, that dance. And she danced in front of him and his, his men, and Herodias got to doing her thing, his daughter, her daughter. And the next thing you know, Herod said, girl... Whew, that was a great dance. I, will get, I don't know how great it was or what she was doing, but the man promised to give her half his kingdom. That ain't nothing but a devil dance. When a king say he's willing to give you half his kingdom, you know the devil done danced in front of you. I don't know what she was doing, but whatever she did, Herod said, I will give you anything you ask me up to the half of my kingdom, and the devil used that. To slip in. Instead of her saying, getting something for herself, she went and asked her mama. Really? Yeah, because it was all a, you know, God allowed it because he needed to move John on anyway. But the point is, look at how it happened. So it's because she's angry because John spoke the truth to her husband. And he wouldn't do nothing about it. So she, her daughter, there was a doorway. And the next thing you know, she comes back and says, hey, I want the head of John the Baptist in a charger. What is a girl going to do with the head of a man? You can tell she's under the spell as well because you would think she would have said, Mama, really? 
What are we going to do with his head? She don't care. She, half the kingdom don't matter. I need his head. Because you see, if she's the queen anyway, it don't matter, right? She's kind of running the kingdom anyway. The only thing he ain't did was kill the, uh, the man. So she don't need half the kingdom. You don't need half the kingdom. If you get it, maybe me and you be fighting. So you know what? Go get that head. And sure enough, the king, he's sorry. And this is what I'm telling you about the people during those days, folks. They took their swearing serious. You know, we be swearing to people and all that. I swear to you, man. And don't even realize the Bible say don't do that. Just say yes or no. Don't be swearing and all that stuff to people. These people took their oath so much. Plus, he was in front of all his boys. Bible say, you know, because of his oath and his boys, he had to do it. Because if he'd have backed down, then it's like, oh, you, you promised the girl with anything she wanted. Now she changed. She wanted the man's head. What's your problem? So he goes, and what's he do? Whacks off John's head. See, the Bible is more violent than most of the time we like for sermons to be. But we got to understand how the world is and what it really is unless it gets dressed up and we don't see it for what it is, which is the way the devil likes to dress it down. Then finally, we went to Jesus telling us about John. He basically says, John, was that Elisha to come back? So you see how God responded to Elisha in the Old Testament when he challenged all the prophets. The reality was what? That fire fell, and the prophets of Baal basically ended up being slaughtered. Jezebel was chasing Elisha, but when it was all over, he still was alive, and she didn't kill him. In this chapter, where all of a sudden that spirit comes back on John the Baptist, and he's declaring what's right to these people, that spirit ends up killing John, which is the same would have happened to Elisha, but it didn't, because we're in a new dispensation. What then happens, the next thing you know, Jesus explains that, but he doesn't spend a lot of time <clears throat> talking about John. <clears throat> he says, you see what they did to him, they're going to do it to me too. That's all. And he doesn't go on about that so sad. He doesn't say anything. Because the world, that's what we should expect. Then we go to Peter. And Peter basically tells us, look, y'all, the bottom line is that we are Christians. Jesus said plainly, if you really want to be a Christian, you got to understand, so go the master, so go you. This is just, just the way it is. We either have to acknowledge it and be, be okay with that or not. You know, the days of, you know, uh, uh, the Christian VFW club are over. The days of, you know, the social club of Christianity is over. It doesn't mean that we can't come and like the Lord, you know, we have a little something afterwards, we do our thing. But we have to understand the days of, you know, we just came together and we're another church and being church is okay and it's all good. It's going to get darker. Uh, it's going to get worse. They're going to keep coming after Christians on purpose. Why? Because Christians are in their minds, they don't really understand. They don't promote love, and they don't promote inclusivity, and they don't this, and they don't that, and they don't everything they can. And then the biggest problem that will be pointed to will be those who are false. You know, I would like to say they're just lost, but they may very well just be false, which is why I'm going to address this mega church pastor today without his name. I don't need his name. I just want to talk about these points. I listen to the podcast. I'm going to hit you on the points right quick, and then I just want you to react to them. Which just If you don't know nothing about the Bible, but you thought you was coming off the street as a person to church, what you think the church's position would be based on its Bible and not the culture. The first thing is marijuana and cannabis, you know, uh, that, you know, the church should be in the business of growing it, and um, uh, uh, distributing it, even if it means in a state where it's legal or even in a state where, I won't say it's not legal, but in a state where it's just medicinal. And the idea would be, especially in the black community, that black boys will be taught how to farm and all kind of other things, and we won't have to be preaching at them so much. They'll just basically say, hey, you know, that church is growing weed. Where do I sign up? If this wasn't serious and didn't happen, I, it would be a joke. It would be a joke, right? Okay. Now, it's one thing to tell a 15 or 16-year-old about abstaining from sex and these other types of things. Let me look around. Okay, everybody's old enough. But 
It's another thing to tell a 37-year-old woman who's been getting her son for all these years that she have to, you know, abstain. Jesus is pro-abortion. And especially since the Supreme Court has said so, that even making more God. Our church now has to understand our position has to be pro-choice, and we are, even Christianity is about pro-choice. Matter of fact, you can go back to the garden and you see, God gave him a choice. Choose these trees, choose them trees. It's always been about choice. And finally, conservative black churches, people like me, are just white evangelicals dressed in drag. Now, the reason that I'm not going to say his name is because I'm going to say that anybody who could go even say this stuff is a reprobate. Now, you ain't in drag. You're just a reprobate. And the Bible says that. Check and see if you're in the faith, lest you be a reprobate. The Bible says you can just have a reprobate mind. Your conscience is seared. Now, let's talk about cannabis and this deal. So now I'm saying, see, why another year, another spirit? Because I'm just telling you, if, if you just happen, if one of your friends at work say, well, I hear, you know, this pastor said, no, no, what you think? Well, I don't care what y'all think. I just want you to know what I think. Just so we clear now, I ain't trying to make you think nothing. I'm just trying to tell you what I think, at least as long as I'm alive. He says this. When asked that he meant what he meant by this, he explained, because what he said prior to that was, why aren't we growing cannabis? I asked my deacons. And I'm looking for male congregants that smell like weed. Woo! When asked what he meant by this, he explained that he wants to introduce the concepts of sustainable farming and preserving the ecosystem by teaching men how to handle business. I'll be able to bring in black males. Uh, why, why just black people? Why just got to be black people? Now, don't get me wrong. This ain't no racial message. I'm just saying, can't we bring some white males and some Hispanic males and some Chinese people too? Don't they need to learn how to farm? They'll be able to do it legally. I'm teaching them farming. I'm teaching them to enhance the ecosystem, he said. So if the guy... Black boy in, now what do you say? So if the guy, black boy in Bankhead, he meant Buckhead, said, maybe there is a Bankhead, and I don't know it. They're growing weed. Yeah, because Buckhead where the rich people live. So there is a Bankhead? Okay, all right, yeah. I'm sorry. See, I ain't know. That must be where the Pope is at. Okay, see? Okay. So if the, black, if the guy, the black boy in Bankhead said, they're growing weed at the church, where do I join? I don't need a pamphlet for him. All right, first of all, church is not a place to join. You must repent to become a part of the kingdom of God. You must recognize you're a sinner. You need a savior. You're you going to die and go to hell smelling like weed. And the church promoting it. Now, see, see. It was one thing when we were battling the world, people, right? Well, you know, they, they, I remember when I was at Southern, and the people came in to, to, to make us one of the universities. LSU got it, and we got it. That could legally grow cannabis for medicinal purposes. And I was saying then, man, this thing is heading on the track. Eventually, it's going to be legal and all that, just like gambling. I said, that's all. And don't get me wrong. When I was growing up, that means everything our mothers told us was just wrong. Everything they told us about smoking weed, everything. I never smoked weed. Now, look, I ain't trying to say I'm anything. I told y'all my stuff. I told you where I was doing things. But I never really smoked weed. But everybody I knew smoked weed. They ain't look like they looked before they were smoking weed. They didn't talk like they talked before they were smoking weed. They normally would talk, if, you know, that before they started smoking the weed, I mean that day, that night or whatever. They would look okay. Then they would, their eyes would be a little red. And then they'd start talking like everything was good. I mean, it could have been the same person where life was all messed up, but that, now all of a sudden it's like, 
man. You know, it's just good. Life is great. What are you doing? I remember one time I was in a car on my way to New Orleans, and they pulled out some marijuana. And I told them, y'all need to stop right now. Stop the car. And I literally put me out on the way to New Orleans. Because I told him, oh, no, sir, I'm not. Y'all ain't going to drive in this car with me up in here. And then something happened. My mama, she, my mama had already told me, go to jail. I'm not coming. And my mother means what she say. So I was not, no, I don't even want to smell like smoke. And today, here you have a pastor with 20-something thousand members from the pulpit and on podcasts and everywhere saying it. And then saying it's people like me, we just, the reason we like we are is because we, it's a, it's a different way of calling you an Uncle Tom. Yeah, it's a different way of saying it. It's a different way of saying these kind of things. You know, you, uh, you know drag is the kind of language now they're using. See, you talk like that, so you're a white evangelical just in drag. Drag being, I guess, my blackface while I'm promoting the white people's ideas. Really? I never saw a white person nowhere telling me nothing about weed when I was growing up. The only thing I remember was maybe they made the commercials that said, this is your brain. Shh. This is your brain on drugs. And they would drop eggs in the skillet, and the skillet would cook them. Everybody who came to school talking to us about drugs was black. The coaches, the is everybody in the community, everyone, they were, they were black people. How all of a sudden, we in drag. Because you're promoting an idea, you're trying, it's really all political with this pastor. He wants to link up with the most current pastor in that state who's become a senator. You're getting closer to become a senator. And you know what kind of power comes out of senates? You know what kind of power people feel you have when you can manipulate the votes of 25,000 plus people? You know what it is, the power to have, to have somebody come stand in your pulpit and talk to your congregation? We understand your problems. Yeah, your problems that you live in the poverty, so we're going to let y'all grow weed so you can teach each other how to farm. Now, come on, people. I just don't think that's Christ-like. Now, if you want me, I ain't got time to go look up scriptures and verses, I'm going to need you to do that in your spare time. Lord just says, lead me to the scriptures that say it's okay to smoke marijuana. And he would probably lead you to all the scriptures that deal with alcohol, drugs, uh, being drunk, and anything like that. Because there ain't nothing in the Bible about smoking marijuana in particular. But there is an understanding that smoking marijuana is not the same even as smoking a cigarette. I don't think that smoking a cigarette going to send you to hell. It may send you to see Jesus sooner than you'd like to go. It ain't healthy. But marijuana, I wonder. Because the more you begin to alter your mind, the more you begin to line up with the concept of drunkenness, and the more you begin to do things that you wouldn't normally do, because that's what the Bible says it does, that wine loosens you up. And then your eyes start wondering, and you start saying things you wouldn't say. Hey, girl. Now, you got a wife now. How, why are you so comfortable talking to her? That's that marijuana talking. Come on, pastor. How you know? Because I watched it. I've seen, I told y'all the guys that I, I they didn't, they came back different. They left. They went outside. They came back in about 30, 40 minutes later, an hour. Smelling like smoke, and y'all know what it, well, maybe y'all don't. Most people know what it smells like for the most part. Even the cops, but Jimmy, you know what I'm talking about. They pull you over, they're like, they smell it. And then they come back. And eventually, I mean, anything, folks, that make your lips turn a different color just can't be good. <laughs> I don't understand. It's a, it should be a joke. Like one pastor said, he said, I'm waiting for him to come out and say, it's a joke. Mm -mm. It's called reprobate. Reprobate. The Bible says this. Pastor, don't be so hard. I'm just saying, look, the Bible says this. Open rebuke is better than secret love. Who are you to rebuke? You know somebody, and they got all them numbers. Look, let me say this to you. I'm just being real. 
you couldn't pay me enough money to pastor a million people who think it's all right to smoke marijuana, have sex, abort babies, and call people drag queens in blackface. Y'all all right with that? You should fire me. I would say, look, I, they probably got a group in there that's kind of going, oh my God, I know Pastor and they, they just gonna drive them out of there. Because if you could say it, you feel comfortable enough to get up and say it. My thing is, you couldn't pay me enough to do it anyway. I'm cool. I'm there. I feel like I guess what John must have been saying, because he, I, John, you do not want a job in the kingdom if you're gonna tell the king. It ain't lawful for the woman he's living with to be living with her. You can't say that to the king, John. He ain't gonna hire you. And she gonna hate you. John told that man, look, it ain't lawful for you to have her. Simple as that. And he suffered as a Christian. The Bible says that we suffer. Now y'all need wisdom going into this year. And forward. Pastor ain't saying go to your job and start. You call fire down. They gonna call it on you. You gonna be calling me trying to figure out why you ain't got no job. I'm not telling you to go to work and do that. I'm trying to make you understand what we're up against. We're hearing more and more and more, whether it's on our jobs or wherever we are, things that are happening that we got to realize we have to be more strategic even in how we, what we say, where we go, what we're doing, so that we don't end up putting ourselves even in position. See, Herod put himself in a position. The world does, knows we live in a country that is the best opportunity for us to speak to the problems that are going on right now. Because it doesn't matter what people are saying right now, I still got my freedom up here. And the devil knows, just like Herodias knew. The king ain't going to mess with you like that because he can't yet. He can't do that. I got to figure out a way to trick him. It was like Daniel with Darius. Daniel prayed every day, and, and the people had, were, were jealous and upset by him. But they couldn't attack Daniel. They said, the only way we're going to get him is going to have to be on his faith. See, and it's going to be a while before that happens. But for you all, it ain't got to be about your faith. It could be something else you're, you're doing, and you just got to be careful. You got to watch it, because sometimes the devil will use anything to what? Grab a hold of something. Somebody send you something and ask you a question, what you think about it. You send it back, boom, next thing you know, you're trying to figure out why you're in the office. HR need to call. We need to talk to you. You're like, for what? Well, we understand. You, you tweeted this. Uh, you said that. And, you know, um, we just need you to understand here we're an inclusive people. And you're like, well, I wasn't being in. And, and before you know it, the ball and rolled all outside. But you have to understand. But we live in a country with the greatest amount of flexibility and freedom to speak, at least from here. We got to know what the word says about things. Now, that's enough of cannabis. How am I going to stand up here and tell my congregation, women, those of you who are not married or those of you who are divorced, I understand it's hard for a sister of any kind. I ain't talking about, you know, I mean, anybody. It's hard for, <laughs> it's hard for women. <laughs> it's hard for women. You know, I understand. You know, you, you used to, you know, I don't even think I want to say that again. I don't want to say, y'all know what he said. Y'all used to, you know, whatever. Do what you got to do. You know, the Lord forgive you. I'm, I'm sure, you know, the Lord understand. Now, the teenage girls, y'all need to understand. You need to abstain till you get married. Okay, but that ain't what you're teaching the women. The Bible says for the older women to teach the younger women. So what you supposed to teach her? Girl, you stop. But not me. I've been so used to it, I have to just go on now. I'm stuck with this. See how silly? It's silliness. It's silliness. But it's going across the pulpit in a real church now. It's a real church. This ain't, see, we used to be battling the world that was telling us these things. And we could come here for rest and sanctity and, and maybe some sanity. And even though we might believe that what we were believing, people would say what they wanted to say about us, but we didn't promote it. And now we're battling with each other about this. The Bible is so clear on sex. Now, if I stood here and tried to tell y'all 
that I never engaged in premarital sex. I know you would love to hear me say that. Maybe. Maybe you wouldn't love to hear me say that. But the point is, I'm not going to sit here and try to paint myself to be somebody I'm not. And I'm not going to go down this road as if it did. But the point is that that wasn't something that you practiced and said, okay, the Lord's all right with that. He wasn't all right with that. He's never all right with that. And we got to know that. We got to understand the Bible says, be ye holy because I'm holy. And we're supposed to repent. God, I'm sorry. I, 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 I got to get myself under control. I know I'm wrong. I know I should have done it. I know the Bible says flee. And I should have fleed when, when, when all it started heating up up in there, but I, I didn't. Okay, well, at least let's be honest with God and repent. That's all. But don't come in here and start trying to tell people scripturally it's okay. It's not okay. God says it's not okay. We got to have another spirit. You know, when people are talking to us, I'm not telling you to go to work. Here we go again. You don't go posting it. You don't go picking out people on your job. You need to repent. Pastor said, you know, and I know what you're doing. See, see you set yourself up. HR going to call again. Why are you harassing these people? And why are you doing that? See, see, just be wise, but you got to make sure the spirit you got ain't that spirit. You got to have that spirit Caleb had. Caleb has to look. I don't care what they saying. I am not scared of the devil. Using strategy is one thing. And being wise in what you say, all you got to do is look at Jesus. I, I didn't give them this scriptures, but this is classical. I was reading, just doing some reading yesterday, and I was like, man, Jesus, you are just, oh, my goodness, this is so classical. Can you imagine what this must have been like? I, I, this is in John chapter 18, John chapter 18, verse 19 through 23. John chapter 18, verse 19 through 23. So if you could get it, put it up there for him. I'll just read it, though. This is after they, now Jesus has been up all night. All night Jesus has been up praying. Now they've taken him captive and taken him in front of the Pharisees and the high priest, the most, the highest religious official in Israel. Jesus is standing there with his hands bound, and he says to him, the high priest then asked Jesus of his disciples and of his doctrine. Jesus answered him, I spake openly to the world. I ever taught in the synagogue and in the temple, whether the Jews always resort. And in secret have I said nothing. Why askest thou me? Ask them which heard me what I have said unto them. Behold, they know what I said. What? And when he had thus spoken, one of the officers which stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand, saying, Answerest thou the high priest so? Jesus answered him, If I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why smitest thou me? See, in other words, Jesus did not, when he said, tell me what your doctrine is. Tell me what you've been saying. Jesus was like, nah, bro, you ain't about to get me here. I spoke openly. I spoke in the synagogue. I didn't hide nothing. Go talk to the people that I spoke to. Ask them what I said. Let them be the witness. I ain't about to witness against myself. And then they slapped him. <laughs> and Jesus was like, okay, now if I said something wrong, tell me what I said wrong. Otherwise, why are you slapping me? You see, you, 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 he's, he's putting it back on them to understand. All this ain't nothing but a sham, and you know it is. You're trying to get me to say something now that you can twist so that you can use against me, and I'm my own witness. Now, where they finally got him, when they, the high priest rent his garments and said, we need no more witnesses, is when they finally asked him. The high priest said, I adjure you in the name of God. Are you the son of God? Well, he ain't had no choice. Because he basically, when he says, I adjure you, that means he has to answer the question. Are you the son of God? He says, yes. And you're going to see me coming in the clouds. And the high priest rent his garment and said, what more witnesses do we need? See, they didn't want witnesses because they knew the witnesses would come in and whatever the witnesses said would not be something that they could kill Jesus for. But this, they said, was blasphemy because he basically is comparing himself with God when he says he's coming on the clouds. So now they rip his garment. But Jesus was classical. We got to understand, just because we don't respond to these people, just because we don't get in attack mode with them, doesn't mean we're not standing for God. We, though, have to know what spirit we believe. We got to know what spirit we're willing to listen to. It's just like what Miranda said this morning about how it can be subtle. It can come at you different ways. And if you're not careful, that thing will just take over. And before you know it, you're believing something that's just not true. 
and it's not God. Jesus is pro-abortion, he said. Really? Really? Pro, he didn't say pro-choice. Well, he said Jesus was pro-choice with meaning, i.e., pro-abortion. And then he said, he, he began to talk about the garden. He said, look, and so he's using scriptures like Satan does, twisting scriptures. So he uses the scriptures in the garden. He says, look, in the, uh, in the garden, God gave them the trees. He said, look, you got all those over there and you got these. Don't choose these, but choose these. That ain't what God was saying. God said, look, I'm telling you, do not eat that. That's what he said. He said, well, now you can make a choice. You can choose these, but I'd rather you choose these. See, the choices are not the same. It's not like you're saying, God's saying, don't eat. I want you to eat that because it's apples and oranges and good stuff. Don't eat this tree. It's sausage tree. But they decided they wanted sausage anyway because ain't nothing really wrong with sausage. It just kill you earlier. That's not what happened here. No, God was like, this choice is a sin. If you make this choice, you are disobeying me. Do not make this choice. Another one, Joshua said, choose you this day who you're going to serve. Joshua wasn't saying, oh, oh, go choose the devil, and that's going to be a good choice for you. Surely God in heaven, who declares throughout the Bible that children are a blessing from him, that the fruit in your womb is his reward. Irrespective, I don't care so much right now about how I got them. It don't even matter right now. But then they twist it and start saying, oh, you saying that, 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 that a person could rape somebody. And this and that. Ain't nobody said that. We're not talking about that right now. Those are very extreme situations that sometimes just got to be dealt with. And I don't know what the answer to all that is. There have been some women who have decided to go and do that. I don't promote what people should do. I'm just trying to deal with the basic concept. Because all you lead to next is what you have going on now in Canada. They've approved this law now where people can decide if the doctor tells them they have a, uh, their life, however they describe it. First, it was a terminal disease. I think it may still be that, but, but they're pushing to try to make it where the individual determines that their life, for whatever it is, the quality of their life is not what they think it should be going toward the future, and therefore they get a choice to terminate it. That's crazy. That's legalized suicide. It's one thing if you say to somebody, you know for a fact that next week, when I say a fact, I mean fact from God. We're going to pretend God can't do a miracle. But you know for a fact, we can tell by the way your blood count is going and whatever's happening, that you're going to be in such excruciating pain that you're not going to be able to stand it and we're not going to even be able to medicate you in such a way that you're going to be able to sustain it. You can choose if you want to now. We can do something to terminate this harsh thing, maybe. Okay, I guess I understand a little bit of what you're trying to do, but everything I understood about drugs, the last time I remember going to get a, even a colonoscopy, whatever they call it, when I was 50, I woke up. I mean, the man told me, come back with the 10. The next thing I know, Lord said I was singing, easy like Sunday morning. Because <laughs> I'm easy. I'm like, whoa, what? Look, I look up the doctor, everybody, you know, I, you done. I'm like, whoa, what happened to count backwards at 10? They put you to sleep. So my thing is, well, what's the difference? If you watch, you just can't do that. Just put me to sleep. And when I wake up, I'll be in the upper room. Why not? Why I got to kill myself? Why I got to tell you it's okay? to inject me with something that's literally going to kill me. And then you just slide backwards. And as you take away the ability of people to make the decisions for people or to help them out or to take them to court or anything like that, because you say, anybody thinking like that needs to, we need to talk. Am I 40 and I just don't see my life going nowhere? I had eight wives and Every time I try, it don't work, and this ain't working. I got fired off my job, and I don't even have nowhere to go. My life ain't going nowhere. Should I be able to do that? 
it's, it's something wrong. You know, it's like we're, it, 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 but the more, the less life takes on the, its meaning, then the more the devil can just slip in and ask. And people don't realize we're here to do what? Not tell people how to live their life. We're trying to tell people, y'all need to escape the wrath of God to come. The bottom line is that each of us will give an account for our souls. This is what we're saying. The church's job is to make sure the world hears the message of the gospel the good news, and that is that while we're all out there running around and living and doing what we think we're doing, our life is ticking away one minute at a time, whether we're having a great time or a not-so-great time, and it will all end the same for all of us. I was telling somebody yesterday as I was looking at Arnold Schwarzenegger's picture. It's amazing when he was young, you know, how all this, and then now he's like 75 or whatever, and he's all, his beard and everything, and he's getting old, and I said, it's just amazing how you could go back and look at yourself. You're like this little kid. And then you look at yourself now, and you're an older person, and your hair's gray, and things are changing, and then eventually you, that's it. Well, all that dash in the middle ain't going to mean nothing if there's something on the other side that is horrifying that I can never escape. That's the message of the church. Not teaching people to grow cannabis and teaching them how to farm and all that, even though those are good programs we could have on the side, but not cannabis. Can we grow some greens? Maybe some beans. Maybe we could raise some chickens if you want to teach them how to farm, whatever. But really, cannabis, you can tell where we're going. And then right now in America, for whatever the reasons are, the black community is the place to land these things because no one, everyone wants to help us. Yeah, everybody want to help us, and they don't want us to feel like we're being left out. And any great programs, they want to bring them to us. And if you speak against it, that's because you are a hater of that community. See, see, it's, it, it's, a, it's a good strategy the devil got. I mean, but, but we got to open our eyes up to see it. We got to know what that means. We need to be able to say, that, stop. Well, we know at JCLM we will not be growing cannabis nowhere. Even if they made it legal, we ain't ever going to grow it. We hoping we ain't smoking it. But the point is, we ought to know for sure that even if you are, you ain't going to come over here and tell me unless you're coming to repent. Pastor, I need help. Lay hands on me. I got a smoke demon. I said, I noticed your lips was changing just a little bit, but I thought that might have been something else that was going on. Finally, the insult of all insults. Now, if, if people, and the only reason I keep referring to black people is because he's used that. He used that. And this is the community that we're dealing with in his, his article and what he's saying. But this applies to everybody. But definitely what you saw, and if people would just research history, I always tell people this, as the pot's been boiling, whether it was the Black Panthers, whether it was the Black Nationalists, whether whoever it was, Martin Luther King and Malcolm X and all the different people, Marcus Garvey, W.E.B. Du Bois, all these people, if you just research Frederick Douglass, et cetera, research every, all of these people, you're going to see a pattern where there's a group of people who are pushing, supposedly, for the community to be better, and another people pushing for the community to be better, while they both scream at each other that, one, you in the field, and you in the house. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's the point. So you're one of those people that live in the house, and because you live in the house, that's why you act like you do. And you, you in the field, that's why you act like you do. And the people are like they are because of these reasons. And they use all that to confuse the issue. The real issue at the time was maybe whether or not what? Black citizens should be able to vote. Why does it matter how I approach it versus how you approach it if that's the real issue? Because most of the time it's not about the issue. It's about control. People want influence. People want control. I want to be the big preacher in town that every time somebody need a vote, you got to come see me. Because when I speak to the community, they listen. I want to be the one who can have a card that I can send out there and I can change your life. It's like watching The Godfather. You want to be the one that they got to come in the room, you know, and sit down and talk while we all go to Ruth Chris and cut us fake. Now, if you want my support, says the Reverend, we're going to have to understand now that certain things, we need a highway, we need a street. We need this street out here straightened up. See, I, we ain't them people yet. You know, we need, a, we need our street straightened up. No problem, Reverend. If I get the job, I'll tell you, I'm going to be pushing so we can get you a sidewalk in front of your church. 
And I try to tell people, you know, if you got God, you don't need that. Tim will tell you a story. We used to have a big old ditch out there in front of the street where that sidewalk is. And if you drive down the street, the sidewalk is on the side of the ditch out there, going down. I remember we were praying about filling the ditch in. We were going to put in some pipe. We had already got the estimates, and they told us as long as we buy the pipe, the city said they'll put it in and take care of it. Then all of a sudden, these people showed up saying that they were about to put sidewalk down. They knock on the door. Yes, Reverend, we're about to put this sidewalk down. Um, you got any comments or thoughts about it? I said, well, yeah, really down there, we were thinking about filling that ditch in. So, you know, we'll put that in. So it's going to have to go like this to get around that, you know. They said, Rev, don't worry about that. I tell you what, we're going to put the pipe down and fill it all in. And I ain't bothered to say, well, we had a bid for that. We were going to do it. I just said, well, if y'all willing to do it, praise the Lord. I never had a politician over here. Didn't nobody never come to church. It just happened. That's the God. That's the fire I'm talking about. See, there's some things that God will just answer. Bam. And you like, people are like, how you did that? I don't know. God just come did it. But you got to stay straight with God. You, and it ain't, it ain't about being perfect. It's just about being willing. This is what God said about Caleb. He said, Caleb has followed me fully. He didn't mean Caleb was perfect. God already testified later. God said in the one place, there's none righteous, no, not one. So Caleb wasn't righteous neither. Caleb followed God fully as best he could. In other words, you know there's certain things that you know that ain't right. You just say it ain't right. And they say, well, I saw you doing it. You right, and I know I'm going to go to hell too if I keep doing it. If you say that, you done. No, the people that they need to be after are the ones who say, First of all, I already told y'all how we tend to do that, right? We go up in the store like this. First of all, we don't want nobody to see us. And then when they see us, we start lying. And then if we're in a place that we just can't lie, it's the porn star, sir. And there are no cold drinks in here. You know, if you go to a liquor store, you could at least try to lie. You know, you got some liquor in your hand, one of your members walk up. And they say, Reb, I didn't know you drank. And you say, oh, no, no, I, I was moving this around because I needed to get me a cold drink. <laughs> and hopefully they got some cold drinks in the stove. And then you grab your Coke and you go out the door. Get your six so it really looked like you were serious. But if you're at the adult video store, there's nothing you can do at that point. If they catch you in there, you caught. This is what happened to Jimmy Swagger. The magazines, he couldn't explain. There wasn't nothing he could do. He had them. They were just, that's just the way it is. Nothing he could do. Those are the people who are preaching at people that the bottom line is that God the one, he exposes. Yeah, that's why you get exposed. Because you're up here preaching at people. Don't have abortions. And you know you paid for three when you was a teenager or you were a young adult. You can say, don't do these things, but you can't act like every single thing that's happened, you've never been involved in anything. God's like, no, that's not the approach. That's not what the church is promoting. The church's position, though, is God's judgment is real. And on these things, he has spoken. And just because I say it and I'm not white, you can't say I'm against the black community because I'm telling them don't smoke cannabis and have premarital sex and abort your babies. How all of a sudden did I become in drag? How did that become Uncle Tom? Back in the day, that wasn't, that wasn't Uncle Tom. But you see where we've progressed? Now what we're talking about is the fact that these cultural issues, I mean, let me tell you why this is saying, this is, this is what the article said. Culturally, marijuana is increasingly accepted today, and even Christians have shifted their perspective on weed in recent years. A recent survey shows that 60% of Protestants believe weed should be legalized. So supposedly, if I took a, 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 a poll in this church, 60% of y'all would say yes. Marijuana should be legal. Now, maybe you would say that don't mean I'm saying I should smoke it. But I'm just saying it should be legal. No, okay. All I'm saying is I think that scripturally, the church is drifting so far away from the dock that some of these places ain't churches no more. 
as you do not declare the word of God, I wouldn't care how many people come up in the place. I was listening to a preacher the other day, A.W. Toza, and he was talking about the spirit of God coming upon people when he would preach at times and people getting excited. And he said, you can know it was God because they would get excited about it. He says, what always comes with the spirit of God is joy. People are just joyful. And it's not the same as happy. Happy means, oh, you know, it's a fear. Joy is this sense of, of, of understanding that, man, everything's going to be all right, even when it ain't right now. And you just have a good, positive outlook on life. You have joy. He said, and I would preach, and I wouldn't know if it was real. He said, but I had to preach the word of God. He said, but one time, I was in Nashville, and there was a huge auditorium. I was on one end, and there was another guy, all y'all know him, he said, on the other end. And he could get people riled up, too. He said, but all he had to do was go out and start twisting. So he was talking about Elvis. And he was in the building on one end. The house was packed full of Christians. And the other end was packed with full of people screaming at Elvis while he was up there doing his Elvis thing, right? And he said it was like a dichotomy of the world and the church. And as I listened to him, I said, man, this is crazy because today Elvis probably could come up in church. And people some kind of way going to say, man, look at the moves God blessed him with. It's crazy. It's like we've lost our way. But I don't think we have here. No, I really don't. But I think it's necessary today that I put this out here another year, another spirit. What should our spirit look like? What should we be doing? We don't have to go out and say all these things to all these people. We don't have to go and, you know, I'm not telling you go get on Twitter and start doing it. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is you got to get your mind, you got to free your mind from all of these distractions that would cause you to believe that certain types of activities and behavior are okay. Because what begins to happen is when you can say to yourself, well, I ain't doing that. At least I ain't doing that. Then you begin to regulate things that are okay with you. Now, I'm telling you, you can start telling. Sometimes you don't know when you're off. All you got to do is go in the Bible and look. The Bible, that's why we talked about judgment. The Bible says that judgment will come on people's lives. God judges us first. And that's why I said in my thesis, before God judges, the voices are always there, always there, always there. And you're hearing it. The voices are speaking right now. That same spirit Elisha had. Who will you choose? Who are you going to choose? Don't go with God. Those voices. Don't go those other places. It just grows louder and louder and louder. But theirs grow louder too. But the Bible says there comes a point where God finally acts. I'm telling y'all, I don't know what's going to happen. But if something big don't go down eventually, you could almost throw your Bible away. You'd have to say, that, you know what? God obviously is not even paying attention. But that ain't so. Every time God's people, see, that's it. Once it moves into his people, see, it's always oh, out there in the streets. God already said it's not his job, our job to judge them. God doesn't even judge them. God is trying to save them. But when we get in here and we're saved, God says he will judge us. See, he'll judge us while we're alive so that he doesn't have to judge us when we're dead. So what we're supposed to be doing is wrecking that. But when it comes in the house, once it's in the house and the house starts accepting these things, get ready. Get ready. I'm telling y'all, get ready. Watch for unusual things to start happening, and people will not have any fire. There will be no fire. See, right now, it's one thing, like when they had this big problem that just happened and the government gave all these stimulus checks out. The government created fire. It was like, okay, well, you can't this, and you go, okay, fine. We're going to create a little fire for you. We're going to send you 300 a month for each child. We're going to do this. We're gonna, they create, but the fire going to run out. And eventually, something's going to happen. And if people don't have God, the fire will not fall. And that's when they're going to realize all these things they've been saying are just off and wrong, and it can't save them. And they're not going to be able to save their congregations. I can't imagine what's going to break loose in a church where you're talking about smoking is okay and premarital sex is okay and abortion is okay and, and, and this and that. And you, you're saying all that's okay? What does that end up making a church look like? How do they turn on each other and what happens? How do they, that, that's, that's a spirit of selfishness that ultimately when it's all over cannot promote harmony in a church. 
We have to understand as we go into 2023, this is the year. And I do believe that God is going to continue to separate out. He says, look, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and I'll receive you unto myself. And the Bible is clear. God knows how to take care of you. You ain't got to worry about your head getting cut off by because her, Herodias' daughter didn't ask for it. That's not going to happen in the moment we're in right now. We are in a situation where, guess what? The king knows. He can't touch us like that right now. But you got to be wise about what you're doing. I would just make sure that I am using the wisdom of God. I listened to a sermon the other day, and I'm going to close with this. It was called, In Everything, Pray. By Paul said, pray in all things with prayer and supplication. Let your requests be made known to God. Before you speak, before you do certain things of any magnitude, pray about it. And just ask God to help you to make the right decision. Sometimes it may just be not to even open your mouth about it. Don't let the devil sneak you out. You a compromiser because you won't say, no, 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 no. I'm going to do just like Jesus. What should we do with her caught in adultery in the very act? And Jesus ain't say nothing. And then finally they kept pressing him. He said, okay, one of y'all who don't have sin, you throw a stone. He didn't say stoner. He just said, any one of y'all that's clean enough, you throw it. Pray for wisdom in the year to come. Let's pray.